Hello, podcast listeners. I've been having a little trouble with my digital recorder, which is why I uh, have not been really consistent about posting my homilies over the last few weeks. And that's why this week I'm actually recording it in my office rather than live at Mass. So please be patient, and we'll uh, have a new recorder here fairly soon, I hope. This is the homily for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Okay, time for a quick review of some basic catechesis. What is baptism for? Now, if you said that baptism is to initiate someone into the church, you are correct. If you said baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, you are also correct. So our second question is, why does Jesus need to be baptized? There is no church yet for him to be joining, and he is without sin. So why does Jesus need to be baptized? Each of the Gospels deals with this question a little differently. In Mark's Gospel, the first one to be written, it just happens without being a big deal. In Matthew's Gospel, John protests and Jesus says, we have to do this to fulfill all God's requirements. In Luke's Gospel, which we read this year, it simply says, after Jesus was baptized, kind of glossing over it. In the Gospel of John, there's no baptism account at all. Jesus just walks by and John says, look, there he is. Jesus didn't need to have his sins forgiven. He was sinless. Still, this scene in the gospel is instructive for us. Coming as it does a week after Epiphany, it's a little epiphany of its own, a lesser account of God pointing out that Jesus is his anointed one. And the way that this is presented is significant. It's filled with important symbolism for us. Today's first reading from Isaiah gives us a clue why this symbolism is important. This account of the chosen servant of God from Isaiah tells us that this new chosen one will be different from those that came before. After all, God had sent prophets and kings, judges, rulers of various sorts, but none like this. This Savior isn't going to rely on coercion or force to bring God's people to salvation. Instead, the Savior is going to rely on gentleness and compassion, not breaking a bruised reed and not quenching a smoldering wick. This was the pattern Jesus followed in his teaching and preaching. His ministry was based on compassion, not coercion. Jesus never issued any threats or ultimatums. Even those whom he criticized most harshly, the Pharisees and the scribes, were called to conversion. Jesus instead went around doing good and healing all who were in the grip of evil. That's a far cry from coercion or condemnation. The earliest spiritual writers of the church in the first three centuries saw in the baptism of Jesus another phase of his incarnation. They write about Jesus making holy all the waters of the earth by his baptism in them. In the ancient world, the vast waters of the world represented the vast unknown of God's creation. By his incarnation, and symbolized here at his baptism, Jesus redeems all of creation, even the vast, fearful unknown. To rise out of the waters is symbolic of rising out of the tomb. That's why traditional immersion baptisms submerge people three times under the water, three days in the tomb. In all of this, we can't lose sight of the essential character of this little epiphany. 
God has chosen a completely new way to be with us. His presence makes holy the deepest parts of creation, and nothing is hidden from his glory. But that glory is revealed not in great displays of power or cataclysmic signs in the heavens. Instead, the spirit descends like a dove. The dove has always been a sign of peace, reconciliation, and hope. Like the dove that Noah released from the ark that returned to him with an olive branch, this dove means that there will be no more floods, no more great punishments for our sins. This dove means that forgiveness is possible, that Jesus has begun the work of reconciling God and humanity. Jesus didn't need to be baptized for himself, but we needed this dramatic sign to help us understand that the salvation he brings touches all of creation and that his example of gentleness and compassion should become our model for how God relates to us and how we should relate to each other and to the whole world.